0: Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We uh, have to take a turn tonight from the last couple of weeks where Paul sort of in chapters 8 and 9 talked about the grace of God and especially with the uh, purpose of teaching the Corinthians about generosity and uh, the Corinthian church becoming part of this gift to the saints in Jerusalem. Now, starting tonight through chapter 13, Paul is going to, in a sense, take four chapters to defend his apostleship. Let's remember back at the beginning of 2 Corinthians that one of the things that prompted this letter was that there was a group of false teachers that were attacking the apostle Paul and seeking to draw the Corinthians and the Corinthian church away from Paul, and away from his influence. And so tonight, he's going to begin to talk to us about ministry. He's going to begin to talk to us about what he is going through and what we can expect if we minister and serve the Lord. And one of the things that will come through, I think very evidently, uh, as we study these next four chapters, is this. This is why we have to be strong. This is why we have to know as Christians what does God truly want us to do. And this is why we need to have and operate by God's grace every day. Because in Paul's ministry, for instance, we're going to see even in this chapter that Paul was misunderstood. And so he basically says, if you're going to serve and minister for Christ, expect to be misunderstood. He says, expect conflict, because there will be conflict as you serve the Lord. Expect to be misrepresented, because Paul was misrepresented. Expect comparisons, because Paul was compared to others. Expect intrusions into your ministry by others as well. And expect to be undermined. Now, I know that might not seem very positive. But Paul is just laying out for us the reality of his service and ministry to the Lord and he wants to use it in order to uh, teach us and enlighten us into what was going on in his own life in ministry and and maybe some things that we can learn as well as we seek to serve the Lord and minister. One of the things that we're going to be reminded of is this. God wants every Christian to be serving Him in some capacity. So you here tonight, if you're a believer, there has got to be some specific assignment right now that God uh, is calling you to do. That's just biblical. And, And every season of our life, every time of our life, there's going to be something that God expects of us as far as service to Him. And again, we have to look at service as such a dignified thing, as such a, it's such a glory to be able to serve the God of the universe, especially with being involved in bringing people back into a right relationship with Him. That's why Paul gave his life in service and ministry. So I would just like you to begin to think tonight about what is that specific assignment right now that God is asking you to do. And here's why it's so important. In the book of Ephesians, we don't have to turn there tonight, but in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says the only way the body grows to experience its full potential is when everyone in the body is doing their part. So what is your part? Because see, in every local church, in every body, if everybody is not doing their part, then the body's not going to grow the way it should. The body is not going to reach its full potential because there's some piece to this body that you can add to it. And that's why we encourage every believer to get involved in ministry and service because God has given you some assignment. And God will give you the grace to carry out that assignment. The question simply is, are you doing your part? Now again, as we do our part, one of the things that's going to happen is at times, not always, we're going to be misunderstood. Notice what Paul says in the first couple of verses. Now I, Paul, appeal to you personally by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am meek when present among you, but full of courage toward you went away. Now I ask you that when I am present, I may not have to be bold with the confidence that I expect. I will dare to use against some who consider us to be behaving according to human standards. Without getting too much involved in this tonight, here's what was happening. Part of it is that these false teachers came in and basically started to say, you know this, Paul? He's one thing in person, but he's another thing when he's not with us. And when he writes his letters to us, man, I mean, he's, he's really bold. But in person, he seems to be a different person. And Paul's simply saying, look, most of the time I try to follow the example of my Lord. I try to be meek, which means mild-mannered. And I try to be gentle, which simply means a kind disposition. But Paul says there are times where I need to be bold. And that doesn't mean I'm being inconsistent. That doesn't mean that somehow there's not a continuity to me. I'm simply doing what the Lord did, and that is in each and every situation, I take each and every situation as it comes. In every person that I deal with, I have to meet them where they are. So sometimes that means as ministers, we're obviously going to come across in a meek and, you know, kind and gentle way. But there's going to be times that demand... The situation or the person demands that we be a little bit more bold. And we can see this in the ministry of Jesus. There were certainly times in Jesus' ministry where He was very gentle and very meek and very mild-mannered, but there were other times where He was very bold and, in a sense, courageous. And so you and I have to learn to take each and every situation as it comes and to treat each individual the way God wants us to treat them and not to go, well, this is the way I am and I'm going to do this because this is me and this is the way God made me and and so I'm going to treat every situation and people are going to have to adjust to me. No, that's not what Jesus teaches us. Jesus, through His grace, gives us the capacity to meet people where they are and to take every situation to where it needs to go for that particular situation. Not to be inflexible, but to be able to bend and move with what's going on and who I'm dealing with. And that's what they misunderstood from Paul. And that may be something that you experience. Again, though, that's why we need to be strong and we need to be confident in our calling and we need to be living by God's grace because folks, you need to serve the Lord. We all need to serve the Lord. But as we serve the Lord, you and I can expect to be misunderstood. People will look and go, well, why didn't you do it that way there and maybe a little bit handle something a little bit different over here? And that's what was happening with Paul. Because of that, there was a lot of conflict. Again, going back to the end of verse 2, even to the point where they said, Paul, the way you minister and serve, you're doing it by human standards. You're not spiritual at all. Can you imagine thinking that the apostle Paul wasn't spiritual or godly? But there were many that did. So he says in verse 3, look, I know I'm in a physical body, basically is what he's saying at the beginning of verse 3. But he says, we do not wage war according to human standards of natural or physical origin. So the implication there, too, is as I serve the Lord, I'm going to be in a battle. I'm going to be in a fight. There will be conflict. But here's the interesting thing in this passage, in the context where these verses are many times taken out of context, where people interpret these as dealing with spiritual warfare Really, Paul's not talking about spiritual warfare here at all. He's talking about the conflict within himself that he needs to deal with. And that every Christian needs to deal with when we serve the Lord. Because as we hear all these, all this feedback, as we maybe hear criticism, as we are misunderstood, there's going to begin a thought process in our minds. And unless we can learn to control our own thoughts... We're going to get to a very bad place as we try to serve the Lord and we're not going to be centered in Christ. Notice what Paul says. He first of all says, the weapons of our warfare, the tools, the instrument, the arms of our military service for the Lord are not human weapons. They're not of this world. They are not earthly. And so Paul is reminding us as Christians, look, as we go into this conflict, We we will never overcome, we will never see victory in our thought life, in our own self-thoughts, in our own self-thinking, if we're using human, earthly, worldly tools. We have got to learn to use the tools and instruments, and in a sense, weapons that God has given to us. Now here in this passage, Paul doesn't take time to give us what those weapons are. But if you go over to Ephesians chapter 6, that's one place where you can find those weapons. And here's what Paul says. These weapons that God gives us are made powerful. We don't have to try to make them powerful. If we simply pick up and use the weapons that God has given to us, God will make them powerful. And what those mighty weapons of God will do is begin to tear down strongholds, fortresses. What has a hold or grip on us? Do you have strongholds in your thinking tonight that's either keeping you from serving the Lord or putting you in a bad place as you serve the Lord? That's the strongholds he's talking about here in this context in 2 Corinthians 10. Every arrogant obstacle, every high hurdle, every high barrier. He also talks in verse 4 about tearing down arguments or human reasoning. And then he says that is raised up against the knowledge of God. In other words, it's always got to come back to the knowledge of God. Not what we think, not what others think, but what does God say? What does God think? And he wraps it all up by saying, And we take every thought captive like a prisoner to make it obey or comply or submit to Christ. Now, don't miss what Paul's saying there, Christian. He's saying that through God, we have the capacity to control our thinking. We can't control our thoughts on our own, never be able to. Our thoughts will run wild. We will never be able to corral them. We will never be able to bring them into submission to knowledge of God and to Christ. But with God's help, with His weapons that He gives us, that He makes powerful, we can tear down those strongholds that have a grip or hold on us. We can tear down human reasoning. We can tear down every high hurdle and obstacle that's in front of us that may be a challenge to us, and we can come back to, but what does God say about it? What does He say in His Word? Not what I think, not what others think, but what does God say? And Paul wouldn't tell us this if you and I as Christians didn't have the capacity to do it. So when he talks about conflict here, As much as there's conflict going on between Paul and the false teachers and the Corinthians at this point, and he's already being misunderstood because of his approach at times, I think he's sharing with us the internal conflict that's going to happen in all of our lives as well, which is really one of the main reasons why Christians either aren't serving at all or in their service they are in a very bad place or they're very discouraged and defeated. Because as you and I serve, again, we're going to be misunderstood. There is going to be conflict. We're going to be misrepresented. We're going to be compared to others. There's going to be people who intrude into our ministry that have no business. And we're going to be undermined at times. And if we don't learn to take control of our thinking, then we're going to get out of serving real quick or else we won't enter into service at all. A lot of Christians, the reason why they don't serve anymore is because it's like, well, when I started to serve, this person said this, and they hurt my feelings, and and then I had this happen, and whatever, and so I I just don't serve anymore. And what God would say to every Christian is, look, I didn't tell you that serving me was going to be easy. But this is the assignment that I have for you. And the only way that you and I as Christians will ever reach our full potential, that we will ever truly be fulfilled and satisfied is if we surrender to God's assignment for us, because it's actually through the assignments that he gives to us that we do grow to become like Jesus. And if we run away from those assignments, no matter how hard they are, if we you know, don't surrender to the things that God calls us to. We're the ones that's going to miss out. And not only that, but something we all have to realize as well is that if we don't step up and do our part in the body, not only are we going to miss out, but we are actually depriving our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ of what God wants to do through us for them. And they miss out too. See, that's why it really is about corporate It is about the body. It's never about us out there all alone. Because the reason why God gave us a gift and abilities and talents and all of that and gives us specific assignments is so we can bless and build up the body of Christ. Paul's going to talk about that in just a minute. Beginning in verse 7, he says, you know, you guys are all about outward appearances, and he says, if anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ, he should reflect on this again, just as he himself belongs to Christ, so do we. It's almost like, you know, the false teachers are going, hey, we know we're, we're of Christ, but we, we doubt Paul. And Paul's like, hey, I'm just as much of Christ as you are, just because maybe I don't do things the way you want me to or whatever. That doesn't mean I'm not of Christ. And then in verse 8, he says, if I boast somewhat more about our authority... And the word authority means privileged permission. And all of us as Christians, believe it or not, have authority from the God to carry out our specific assignment. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But what Paul's going to say here is, whatever authority, whatever position, whatever power, in a sense, God gives us in the body, here's what it's for. And Paul talks about this. The Lord gave us for building you up and not for tearing you down. In other words, every one of us has been given a specific assignment, authority, a role to play in the body, and every one of us, if we do our part, that part is to be used to build up the body. The words build up can also mean to promote growth, not physical growth, spiritual growth. God wants to use you to promote the spiritual growth of his body. What an awesome thing. But never for tearing or pulling others down. Which is exactly what these false teachers who had crept into the church at Corinth were doing to Paul. They weren't building him up. They weren't even building the Corinthians up because they were trying to take from the Corinthians the very person that God wanted to use to build them up. Paul, the founder of the church. And Paul said, when I was with you and I founded the church and I stayed with you and got the church on its feet, it was all about building you up and promoting growth, never pulling you down or tearing you down. And so we have to remember that as well. Whatever we believe God wants us to do in the body, it's always for building up the body. It's always for promoting growth. Whatever privileged permission or position or power or influence in the body God gives to a Christian, it is always for promoting growth. Verse 9. I do not want to seem as though I am trying to terrify you or frighten you with my letters. Because some say, here again, he's being misrepresented. And notice what they say about Paul. His letters are weighty, meaning stern, severe, and forceful. They're strong, they're firm. But his physical presence is weak. And his speech is of no account. Wow. You get what what Paul's saying that they're saying about him? In a sense I'm going to put it in our modern language. I wouldn't go listen to the apostle Paul cuz he's not a very polished speaker. Wow. And and to be very honest, he probably wasn't. That wasn't his gift. If you want to talk about sort of the prince of preachers in the New Testament or the polished speaker in the New Testament, it would have been Apollos, hands down. Apollos was the eloquent communicator. Paul was never one to be able to get up and just, you know, woo people with his, you know, because that wasn't his gift. That wasn't the role that Paul was to play. That doesn't mean that Paul didn't have anything important to say, though. And the fact that Paul seemed weak physically was because... He was infirmed. He was dealing with the thorn in the flesh most of the time. And a lot of the extra-biblical writings tell us that when, that when Paul would come into a town, he looked awful. He just did. He, he didn't look strong at all. He wasn't strapping. He was this middle-aged guy that they say was, was bald and sort of hunched over and, and, and didn't even have you know, good eyesight and, and just looked like something the cat drug in. And yet God used this man and used him in a very powerful way because he wasn't caught up with outward appearances. He wasn't caught up with what he looked like and how he sounded and everything. He did everything by the power and enablement of God. And that's why he was effective. And it wasn't how he said it. See, here's, here's the thing that we have to realize. In our modern church today, Paul probably wouldn't have a very big following. Because he wasn't a polished speaker. People would have went to hear him once and they'd go, "Ah, it's, it's okay. I mean, he speaks okay and what he says is good, but, you know. And again, it's like, what are we looking for? Are we looking for truth? Are we looking to be wowed and wooed? Are we looking for God? To work through somebody and for us to, 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 to be under the anointing of God and, and to be, you know, what God is doing? Or is it about what man can do and how man can impress? And that's exactly why the false teachers had gotten a hold on this church at Corinth. Because the church at Corinth was all about the outward stuff. Not Paul. And then Paul does say in verse 13, let such a person consider this. What we say by our letters when we are absent, we are also in actions when we are present. (laughs) In other words, Paul's basically saying, we will be as strong as we need to be when we come to Corinth. I don't want to be this way with you because I want to just enjoy our fellowship but you may force me to be the way you think I am in my letters and that I won't be that way in person. And Paul's saying, oh yeah, I will. Don't test me. Verse 12. For we would not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who commend or recommend themselves. But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. One of the worst things we can do for ourselves and with others is to begin to compare. That's what the Corinthians did. You know, maybe they even compared Paul to Apollos. Boy, Paul's not a great speaker like Apollos is. I'd rather listen to Apollos. And Paul said, really? First of all, he's saying to the Corinthians, you you guys think you're all right because you compare yourselves with each other. And he says, you know, there aren't a lot of spiritually mature people in Corinth, so yeah, you probably do look pretty good. As a Christian, we're never to compare ourselves with other Christians. We're to compare ourselves with Christ into the standard of God's Word. And that's why he says it's always wrong for Christians to compare. And yet, is it that what we do? Somebody does something, and immediately, like, well, I like them better. You know, I'm. Look, what he's going to say is God created us all different. We are to celebrate diversity in the Bible. We all have our specific assignment, we all are going to do it differently. And we have to learn to appreciate the differences and diversity within the body rather than comparing one to another and saying, well, that's my preference. It may be your preference. I get that. But what we need to learn to do in our maturity is, I'm not saying that you give up your preferences. What I am saying is this, to begin to see the value of another way of doing it that might be different, because maybe God wants to use that person to just stretch you a little bit, get you to see things a little bit differently. If everything was the way we all wanted it to be all the time, even within the body of Christ, where would our growth really come from? God every once in a while is going to bring people into our lives that's not going to do things the way we would do it or prefer it. But that doesn't mean that it's not up to us to learn what God wants us to learn from them. Which leads to the very next one, verse 13. We will not boast beyond certain limits or boundaries. This is a very important principle. But we'll confine our boasting according to the limits of the work to which God has appointed to us. Now here is where Paul is saying God gives every Christian he basically assigns us a specific part to do. That's what the word appointed means. God gives every Christian a specific assignment. In fact, very interestingly in the Greek language even with the word limits the Greeks totally understood this because it it meant literally a running lane and they were all about the Olympics. Olympics. And they were all about seeing people run in their lanes in these races. And basically what Paul is simply saying is this. God calls you to a specific assignment to run in that lane. That's your assignment, just like he gave me an assignment. So be careful, Christian, about sticking your nose or cutting into the lane of somebody else. That's not up to us. We don't like it when people intrude into our lane. So we've got to be careful that we don't intrude into other people's lanes as well as they are serving the Lord. Notice he goes on to say though, just because I'm staying in my lane doesn't mean that I don't reach even as far as you, verse 13. In other words, God, even though we stay in our lane, we don't don't have to reach ourselves. We don't have to go, oh, I got... No, If we stay in our lane, do what God wants us to do, God is the one who will extend our ministry as far as He wants to extend it. We don't have to seek to extend it ourselves or promote ourselves. All we have to do is seek to stay in the lane and and faithfully carry out the specific assignment that God has given to us. It will be God's job, if you will, to extend us how far He wants to. And then he says in verse 14, For we were not overextending or going beyond the boundaries ourselves, as though we did not reach as far as you because we were the first to reach as far as you with the gospel about Christ. See, Paul started and planted the church in Corinth. Nor do we boast beyond certain limits in the work done by others. But we hope that as your faith continues to grow, our work may be greatly expanded among you according, again, to our limits. Notice something great Paul says there. Don't miss what he's saying. He's saying to the Corinthians, as you grow, our ministry grows as well. Because we were part of you and we still are. So what that means to you is that every life that you touch, don't miss this, this is encouraging, every life that you touch then every life that they touch, you're a part of that. That will come back to you someday. You will be rewarded for that. See, you're not, you and I are not just rewarded for the lives that we specifically touch right in front of us. But if we, if we impact or influence a life here, and then they go out and influence somebody else, we're part of that too. That's what Paul's saying here. That's how God does it. That's how God extends us. That's why we can never on this earth measure our worth and value and how our ministry is making an impact. There's no way we can do that. Because we can't keep up with all the different people that we touch and then try to figure out how many lives that they go out and touch and how it just spiders out. We can't, there's no way we can keep up with that. But God wants us to know that's the accounting that He gives to our lives and ministry. So he says in verse 16, so that we may preach the gospel in the regions that lie beyond you and not boast of work already done in another person's area. In other words, Paul's basically saying, it was never about me cutting into somebody else's lane and intruding into what God called them to do. I wanted to stay in my lane, in my specific assignment and faithfully do what, and knew that God was going to take care of extending my ministry however far he wanted to. Again, though, in saying that, Paul is reminding the Corinthians, you realize these false teachers, what they're doing, they're intruding into my lane, Paul's saying. Do you see that, Corinthians? They're intruding into my lane. And that's not right verse 17 but the one who boasts must boast in the Lord see in in Corinth and amongst these false teachers there was was serving and there was ministry but it was all about self-promotion it was all about them getting the glory for it it was all about recognition it was all about pats on the back it was all about I'm doing this so that I can be seen and so everyone will know how wonderful I am And Paul's basically saying the right motivation for all service is that God gets the glory for it. He must increase, I must decrease. And then notice what he says. Verse 18. For it is not the person who commends himself who is approved. Wow. A lot of self-affirmation in Paul's day. You know, Paul says, I'm sorry, that's not the bottom line. He says, it's not the person who commends himself who is approved, the person the Lord commends. In other words, Paul's basically saying, in the end, all that matters is what does God think of my life and ministry. All that mattered to Paul was hearing the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It wasn't about what others thought of him. Or what they didn't think of him. He wasn't going to focus there. He wasn't going to let his thoughts go there. What he was going to let his thoughts do was to go back to, all I'm doing is what God has appointed me to do, what he's given me permission to do, what he's given me the authority to do, and I'm going to stay in my lane, and I'm going to do it as faithful as I can, and I'm going to just let God work through me. And at the end of my life... If I don't get any commendation from people, if nobody stands up and goes, wow, that Apostle Paul, he was really great. Paul's like, as long as the Lord is pleased, as long as the Lord says, well done, Paul says, that's all that matters to me. By the way, very interestingly, the word commends here in verse 18, literally means to stand with, to stand beside, or stand near. In other words, Paul's also saying that God will confirm or authenticate those that He's wants to use and that He's using. Because it will be very evident That God is with them. That God is in them. That they have, in a sense, the anointing of God. That God's fingerprints are all over them and their ministry. And Paul's saying, that's what matters. Not what people think of us and what they don't think of us. All that matters in ministry and service and in life is, is God standing with us. Is He confirming and authenticating that we are doing what He's called us to do in the way He wants us to do it? And here's the thing. If that's the case, then other believers who are walking in fellowship with the Lord will be able to say, in a sense, amen to that. If other believers don't see it, then maybe you and I need to check whether we're doing what God wants us to do in the way that God wants us to do it. Because God will confirm and authenticate who He's using and what He's doing. In other words, you and I will be able to tell whose hand God has His hands on if we're walking in fellowship with the Spirit of God. I want to go back in closing to verse 13. No, you know what? No, I don't. I want to go over to the book of Ephesians. Let's go there. Real quick, Ephesians chapter 4. Here's a challenge I want to leave for each of us tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. This, This passage is all about spiritual growth in the body, especially in the local church. So I'm just going to pick it up in verse 14 for the sake of time. Ephesians 4.14, Paul says to the Ephesians, So we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and carried about by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who, care, who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes. But practicing the truth in love, we will in all things grow up corporately into Christ, who is the head. From Him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. And here's the most important part for us tonight that I want to leave you with. As each one does its part, this is what I shared earlier, the body grows in love. Folks, would you mind meditating on that this week? Here's why. Here's why that's important. Because God has a part for you. And if you and I as Christians aren't doing our part and encouraging other Christians to do their part, then guess what? Again, the body's not going to grow to its full potential. We need to encourage each other to do our part, to find our place, to find what running lane God wants us in, to find what specific assignment God has given to us, because it's only as we are carrying out what God is appointed to us and assigned us to, will the body truly become what God wants the body to become. See, that's why we've got to get involved. That's why we've got to get connected to each other. That's why we've got to serve one another within the body. That's why we've got to reject this modern day notion of Christians today who say, it's okay for me to go to a church, to just sit there, sit through an hour service on Sunday and leave out the back door and never get to know anybody, never serve, never... Because first of all, they're never going to grow... And they're never going to help that church to grow and reach its full potential with that kind of mindset. The only way the Oasis Church will ever grow to its full potential is when we get everyone who's becoming a part of this local assembly to buy in to the biblical demand of God to get involved, to get connected, and to start doing their part. Again, not only for yourself but you've got to you've got to battle the thinking that i know takes place in many christians minds and the reason i know that is because i i struggle with it and have and i know many christians have shared this with me well what can i do i can't do very much i can't add very much to the body and so they don't do anything See, that's those strongholds. That's that human reasoning that God wants us through His weapons to tear down, get rid of. Bring every thought captive to Christ. Quit telling yourself you're not important. Quit telling yourself you don't have a part to play. Quit telling yourself God can't use you and if, God forbid, you're even at a point where maybe you've done something and you can't get over the fact that God can forgive you and use you again, take that thought captive to Christ. If God can use Paul, if God can use Paul, God can use anyone. If God can use Jeff Royce, God can use anyone. Stop that thinking that's keeping you from doing your part or thinking that you have a part to play. Tear down that stronghold. Get rid of that obstacle, that barrier through your thought life and bring those thoughts captive to Christ and begin to find and do what part God wants you to do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that even though, Lord, you don't have to use us, you could do it all on your own. You're absolutely self-sufficient in and of yourself. You don't need anything outside of yourself to exist or to do anything, and yet you have chosen by your plan, by your design, to use us feeble, fragile creatures. And yet, Lord, you see such value in us because you have breathed into us as human beings the breath of life. And you have given us as Christians, as your children, your very Holy Spirit to live within us. And you have breathed your eternal life into us. And you have given us spiritual gifts to bless and build up your body the church. And it is up to every Christian to do our part so that the body can grow to reach its full potential. So many Christians today, their life, their service, their ministry is dead in the water. And it all comes back to the thought life. That's the battleground. Our own thinking keeps us from being and becoming who you want us and created us to be. And through Paul tonight, Father, you have shared with us that we have through you the capacity to take every thought captive, to bring it under the surrender and submission to Christ and to His Word, to tear down strongholds, to get rid of human reasoning in order to make our thoughts conform to your thoughts. Help us to think of ourselves the way you think of us. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Help us to see the potential that each of us has the way you see the potential in us. And help us to truly, Lord, begin to live as you created us to live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey folks, just a reminder before you leave tonight,